chase your dreams. Come, my Lord, awaken holy fire. We are turning from our sin. We are praying once again. Congratulate. Yeah, come on, let's congratulate everybody who got baptized. Good stuff, right? I want to do congratulate all the people who were baptized in 2016. And so um, it's a good way to start our conversation here today. Uh, for those of you uh, who may be not from First Christian Church, let me introduce myself. My name is Wayne. I'm part of the pastoral team, and um, it's our common practice each and every opening weekend of each year uh, to take a look at what went well in the year previously and what's ahead. And so to those who are here in the West Auditorium and to those who are in the, in the East Auditorium, I'm very glad you're with us today. And I invite you to take your Bible and turn to John chapter 15. There are four biographies of Jesus in the New Testament. One of them is John. It's about that far through the Bible. There are some people in the East Auditorium moving around with Bibles right now. Those here in the West, you can grab one from the pew rack in front of you. If you don't have one that's your own. As a matter of fact, if you don't have a Bible that's your own, take that home as our gift to you today. We would uh, like to um, let you have that. So as um, it's my responsibility today to bring to you where are we as a church, how did things go last year, what are the things in this coming year, and it's always good to start well, so you can't start any better than a bunch of people getting baptized. That's the mission of the church, to bring people to know Jesus Christ and to cause them to grow into a deeper relationship with Him. But there's also something else I want to celebrate that today, and that is there are, you know, our church has been around for more than 180 years. We go back to 1834. 
And so uh, we have people in the life of our church who were born and raised in the church and who are now moving along in years, including, I just want to congratulate Bob and Effie Whiteman who had their 70th anniversary as a married couple on Christmas Day. Bob and Effie, congratulations, and we're very glad. Congratulations to you. Their life in the church goes back to the uh, early 30s uh, before they were married, and so isn't that cool to know that they have been part of our church all of those years? And uh, if you wander around this building, um, back when we built this building 20 years ago, uh, there are, Bob was a, is a plumber, was a plumber, and there are still marks of his plumbing work in this building that if, I want, if you want, I'll show you around where they are, and you can see that his work of 20 years ago. So Bob and Effie, congratulations. We're glad that you're part of the life of our church by all means and glad you could be with us here today. So if you want to start in a good way to say what happened in 2016, it's good to say, well, we had some baptisms and we can celebrate a long-lasting marriage. Uh, But I also want to perhaps start this uh, conversation with you in a little bit different way than I would have in previous years. We've been doing this for 15 years from now. And in a departure from what is the norm, I'd like to start uh, chatting with you by talking with you about uh, some rather personal matters because uh, some things that came up in our family throughout the past year. Uh, Les and I were talking a year ago, going into the new year of 2016, the week after Christmas, and suddenly had this really deep sense that I had a word from God, that there was something that God was saying to me that was um, a word. The Holy Spirit was right, right down deep in your gut. You get this sense, okay, God's doing something right now. And I didn't really... Well, I said to Les, I have a feeling that the coming year is going to be difficult. Now, at that moment, in that, between that week of Christmas and New Year's, there wasn't anything that we knew on the horizon of our family life that would push us in that direction. Um, but it turned out to be the case. Both our daughter and our daughter-in-law uh, gave us great joy throughout 2016. We had three babies born between the two of them. So we had, you go, how'd that work? Well, one of them had twins. So we have a little girl, and then we have uh, twin grandsons. And that was all wonderful and joyous. But uh, we, got, we learned very early in January that one of those pregnancies was particularly difficult. And while the joy in our family certainly started when Pippi's birth came along in July, and then the twins in October, starting the year right off the bat with that pregnancy uh, and the difficulties of it was, was taxing emotionally, to say the least. And then we uh, very quickly, in January, stepped into some significant health troubles with Leslie's parents. They live here in Decatur, and they were, we're responsible for their care. And the situation for both of them declined very rapidly in the first few weeks of the year, um, resulting in March, Cecil died. And so we buried the first of our parents. And uh, Sarah, my mother-in-law, didn't adapt well at all. Uh, Dad's death accelerated her Alzheimer's condition. And at present, there are many days, if not most days, when she no longer recognizes us. And uh, that's difficult. Or at least she can't identify us. She may know that she knows us, but some days she can't say who we are. Now, many of you here in the room or in the church, both in the East and West, you've um, faced similar settings with family members in the past. And as Les and I watched that, your courage helped teach us some lessons. You taught us to lean into Scripture and to count on the presence and the comfort of God Almighty through the work of His Holy Spirit. And I want to thank you for those lessons. 
because we needed them last year. In addition to that, quiet on the quiet that was known by just a few people at the time, both Leslie and I faced, ironically, in the midst of all of that, our own health challenges that began in the spring and went through the summer. And they were, at times, very taxing. And uh, the best way to say it is that they caught us flat-footed. And, um, well, we tested the limits of our medical insurance policies, shall we say that. And we learned what high deductibles are all about. We learned that all together. Some of you know that as well. And so there were some struggles. Now, I, I don't want to mislead you. By the time the babies came along and we figured out our health matters and came to grips with what was going on with my in-laws, um, it was great joy in having the babies. Uh, but it was quite clear to me that at the beginning of 2016 that what we were facing in a, as a family was, in fact, paralleled in the life of our congregation. And I'm going to be brutally honest with you today and say that 2016 was a difficult year in some ways in the life of our church. You know, usually when you're doing a church, a state of the church, you know, message, you want to be really upbeat and say, oh, it was all good. Well, there were lots of really good things that happened. And there were lots of stories of lives that were touched. But I need to say, there were some difficult moments this past year that were out of the norm for us as first Christian. For example, just right off the bat, our attendance patterns shifted throughout this uh, 2016. I want you to see a chart that shows the attendance patterns of a number of years. And there are many churches, most churches would say, man, could we have that up and to the right like these guys have had? And that's all really good. Praise the Lord for that. Um, if you look at that over a number of decades, there's nothing wrong with that in any way. But in honesty, we hit a plateau in mid-2015 when we didn't expect to. We didn't see that coming. And so in the middle of 2015, we plateaued and we didn't change it all through 2016. And there's some debate as to how that, why that's occurring. But I'm quite aware that even as I say that, the numbers of people attending, that's not the best measure for a church's ministry effectiveness. But for us, that plateau is a shift. We're not used to that. And I'm mindful that even as we acknowledge there's a plateau in terms of the growth, we still have hundreds upon hundreds, actually thousands of people attending our church throughout the season and the life of our, of our congregation. We have 2,500 people or so who call this their church home. So there's nothing to be ashamed of in saying we hit a plateau. And I'm glad that you joined us in ministry throughout the past year. But in addition to the, to the, the growth stall, if you will, we also had a more difficult year in regards to our financial picture. And again, income is not a great measure. It's not the best measure for the effectiveness of a church's ministry. But our financial picture in 2016 was different than what we've experienced in the past. It's been our habit for decades that every year the budget is, the income is larger, the budget goes up. That was not the case in 2016. As a matter of fact, um, there were some periods in the fall where it was, uh, it was difficult that we, we, it was not crisis in any way, but we actually dipped into the savings account by some $60,000 or more in the middle of the fall. And uh, your generosity pulled us out of the red late in the year, and I want to thank you for that. So what, the figure, I see some figures right now that speak to the general ministry expense accounts of the church, and we received some $2.7 million, which is less in 2016 than it was in 2015. And although we were in a tough spot in the fall, your generosity at the end of the year um, pulled us out, and we ended up in... Uh, in, in the black by 31,000. Again, that's great news. And I want to thank you for your generosity because our ministry to the community 
Our chaplaincy uh, work in the hospital is now 24-7 at DMH. We are the chaplains in the hospital 24-7, First Christian is. We are the chaplains at Crossings Healthcare. We have Parsons Elementary Club 305 still moving along extremely well. We have the Arts Academy. Our work in Kenya and Cuba are all funded extremely well. And so when you say, well, we, we had some struggles with the general ministry fund, okay, we did, but that's okay. We ended the year in the black and all as well. As a matter of fact, when it comes to the outreach endeavors of the church and ways in which we say, we'll let you as a congregation help us decide what ministries we're gonna support outside the life of the church, and you give designated gifts that way, your giving to outreach causes was $467,000 in 2016. That's money you said. I, I just want to use, if you will, First Christian Church's um, umbrella of blessing over this, and you gave it to us to pass on. So the, every church does that, and most churches are happy if they get to 9, nine to 10% of their full income going that way. Here in the life of our church last year, it was 17%. So again, that's all good news. And I've got some good news for you also in regards to the church's indebtedness. Um, we, over the year, uh, had our campaign that was 18 months long. It started in May of 2015, ended at the end of last year. And um, throughout that period of time, you gave $983,000 to the Empower campaign. And friends, we have never, ever received that kind of income over 18 months. So thank you for your generosity. What I'm wanting you to hear, and it's a lot of figures I know, but this is the weekend when we do this, right? Just so you know where we stand as a congregation, and there's great news, the indebtedness to the, by the, of our church was reduced by $300,000 last year. We took money that you gave to the Empower campaign. We paid the mortgage. We paid extra against the principal every month. We paid a lot of, we paid a significant amount at the end of the year. And here's the really good news. Each month, as you gave to the Empower campaign, we set money aside. And so we have all the mortgage payments for 2017 into 2018 set aside, ready to go. Your giving has made that possible. I want to say thank you for that. So that's all good news. However, uh, as we have evaluated the economic climate of the community and um, the present setting of the church, uh, there's a shift coming to us, and that is 20 years ago, we moved into this building in 1996, June of 1996, we moved into this building, the original building that on this campus. And the auditorium here in the West, the West Auditorium, which was the only sanctuary back then, was expected to last for about five years. That we were gonna be here for five years and then we were gonna build a new auditorium. Well, five years came around and we said, well, there's ministry taking place, let's not build now, and so we added a service. And then we added another service and we kept saying, we pour those resources into staffing and into ministries around the community. And we said, okay, we'll, we'll just keep adding services. And then we added an auditorium, all in an effort to say, let's use what we've got. But the plan had been since that, okay, in 1996, we're gonna build a new auditorium in, uh, in five years. We thought at 20 years, it's probably really time to pull the trigger on that and say, let's build, because we're really fast around here. You know, we're quick on the drawer. So anyway, <laughs> um, as it turns out, we're not gonna do that. I'll just tell you straight up. We have plans in play. Uh, a group of people uh, spent the year looking at what a new sanctuary could look like, and we hired some architects, and we have a lovely rendition of what it might look like. And the intent throughout coming the last 18 months would be that we're gonna break ground on a new auditorium somewhere around Easter of 2017. It would take a year to build, and uh, that was the plan. 
Uh, as a matter of fact, when I stood here this time last year, we said, this is probably where we're going. But given the present uncertainty within the nation and the situation within our own community and people being transferred out of town and so forth and so on, it seems unwise for us to do that. And particularly because the only way we could do that would be to really cut back on some ministries. And while a new building would be really wonderful, we're not gonna do it at the present time. However, that group met and figured out what we were gonna do, and I'd like to show you what the possibility is, okay? Just so you know, so if you guys upstairs will roll the tape, here's what a new auditorium on the south side of, um, of the present East Auditorium could look like, and I'll walk you through it, so you, for those of you who have spatial problems and that sort of stuff, some of you, well, here's what happens, okay? So you, you're gonna see where you're gonna walk into the atrium. There's the cafe in front of you, all right, you're turning around into the kids' spaces right now in the East Auditorium. The wall comes down that's over there, and you're going to go um, through what would be the new lobby. Now you're kind of walking into what is the East Auditorium. It would disappear. You're going to go up the elevator. The elevator's in front of you. That's kids' space off to the left. We have the mezzanine upstairs already on the left. We'll get in the elevator and go upstairs. Come out of the elevator and turn right across the mezzanine being extended now and become larger. Walking across um, basically into the space above the East Auditorium right now. Uh, and you notice again the big wall has come down. The south wall of that auditorium where the stage is, is would also come down and you're gonna walk along the mezzanine extension again. Turn left at this corner, look down through some windows into the auditorium below. All right, so there you see a brand new auditorium down there. And here you are in the auditorium, walking up on the stage. There's a thousand seats there. All right. And then you go back up the stairs, back up to the top of the mezzanine again, down the new stairs and back into the lobby and over into the cafe. And the guys are going to let the video run through the end because what you see there's the cafe again, coming through the cafe out into the courtyard We've had the courtyard there for 20 years and basically mowed grass for 20 years. And uh, so this is what it could look like. And there you have it. So it's all possible. And um, all that's stopping us from doing that is somebody here writing a check for $5 million plus. Step up. <laughs> Seriously, uh, that's really what's in the way, if you will. That's what would cause us to say now is not the time because the, the budget for that is well over $5 million. And, and I'm quite cool to say, you know, for us, it'd be nice to have a new building and our present attendance warrants having an auditorium that seats a thousand. Our present ministries warrant that, but this is not the year. And uh, it's in our future. And seriously, if there's somebody here today say, hey, I'm up for a $5 million check, that'd be great. But that's in the future. What, what, where I've landed in all of this in recent months is I, I guess I've been asking God, okay, Lord, did I miss it? Did I miss it somehow or other? Did we miss it? You know, we, we've been working toward this for a long time and 20 years or more. What happened? Did something go wrong? As, as I've repeatedly asked that question, uh, John chapter 15 has come to mind. And I'd like you to read it with me right now, please. John chapter 15. Jesus is speaking to his disciples in just the last few hours of his earthly ministry before he dies. And he says to them, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. 
So we are not a congregation or a people who don't bear fruit. We have a lot of fruit in the life of our ministry, but I'm aware of this, that even if we have lots of fruit, what does God do? He prunes the branches that bear fruit so they'll be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I also in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, what will happen? You will bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. We don't have any withering around here. I mean, we're, I, there's, if you know the story of our church, there are lots of places where ministry is really making a difference in people's lives. So I don't anticipate that we are in any way being burned up. But if you remain in me and your, my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. There's something about pruning going on here that this is to my Father's glory that you will bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. That's really important for us here at First Christian. And I, I would suggest, friend, it's important for you in your life. When matters are not going exactly the way you had anticipated, is it feasible to step back and say, hey, what is working well? But what's not working so well that you would say God's wanting to prune so that in the long run this fruit that's being produced will be even more beautiful? I'm aware, apparently from Scripture, that Jesus said there are periods of pruning. We are a congregation that is focused on remaining connected to Jesus Christ. We strive to make him known in each other's lives and in the lives of this community. But I'm also aware that from time to time, there are periods of pruning. And pruning is never easy, and it's usually painful for the bush. Leslie and I have um, pruning projects in our house from time to time. We have a row of uh, knockout roses in our front, front lawn, our front gardens. And um, if you let them grow and go, they'll just get real tall. So we've done some research, and we know that we have to prune them uh, late in the spring and also again in the summer and sometimes in the fall. And right now, they're about this tall as they go through the winter. But we've learned from research and doing it a lot of years that the best thing that we can do for those bushes every year if we want to make them beautiful is to keep them shaped throughout the year but in late February the gar master gardeners tell us prune those things really hard in other words in late February before the winter ends in a few weeks from now I'll go out there when it's a half decent day and I'll cut them down about this far off the ground about six eight inches tall and you know what you go you feel really all I feel, every year I do it I hope these things come back does this make sense to go from this lovely to this lovely? But, excuse me, but then at the end of that, as the spring comes forth, they start, they start spreading and they, and they put out the most beautiful flowers. You know, we have a, in our neighborhood, there's another house that has some knockout roses. And uh, the, the homeowners are absentee homeowners and that they have another house somewhere else in the state. And they, they live in that house in our neighborhood about three days a month. Literally, that's it. And they have some knockout roses as well. But they're about this tall. I mean, they're way up there because they don't have time to care for them. And you know how many flowers they put out? Very, very few. See, it's not about size. It's all about you, the shape that the gardener wants you to be. Jesus said if we remain in him, then from time to time, the places that need to be pruned and reshaped are going to be cut away so that the fruit that comes out, the beauty that comes out will be magnified. And so for us, I need to say that 
attendance and building and cash are incomplete measures. Telling the stories of lives being changed, that's far, far more important. And that's where beauty is discovered. That's where we're going to see what God does. And that's not new for us. It's been the life pattern of this church for a number of decades. And to that end then, I want to tell you some of the stories that, uh, where beauty is coming in 2017. And then we'll finish our time together today with telling you some stories of where beauty showed up in 2016. I've kind of given you some, you know, here's the arc of today's message. Some great stories, some frank conversation, and we're going to end with some great stories as well, okay? So some bookends. So some things that are going to be written this coming year, and that is that we're going to step into a specific time of prayer on February 6th through 10th. That's uh, just a few weeks away. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, in the morning and the evening, and probably sometimes in the noons, if we, if the noon hour, if we can make it work. We're going to step into a time of prayer as a starting point to determine what God might want to be pruned and if God wants various things pruned. I mean, I'll just ask, the, we're, gonna, we're gonna prayerfully ask this question. Has our size of recent years caused some complacency? That's a reasonable question. Have we just grown a little too comfortable? We're, we're a large church, if you will, a very large church. But have we become complacent in that? Perhaps we need to bring some attention to some new approaches. Perhaps some people left us in 2016, we lost people through death and job transfers, but some just left for other churches was part of our role in their lives, teaching them things so that they could take those to other congregations and be used there. We've got to work that out, and the only way we're going to start to work that out is to remain in Jesus, namely to start with some prayer time. So we're going to focus on Him. And then after that, uh, or before, as we, as we are making our way through that, if you will, uh, next week we're starting a sermon series based on what Jesus would expect of us, given our devotion to each other, to the church, and to Jesus. Now, I just want to say heads up, we're going to do something in the next four weeks that, we've, that I've never done in 35 years plus of pastoral ministry. Now, I've asked people to think about this before in terms of their relationship and devotion to each other and to this congregation. But we're going to be probably a little more intense in that, in, in, in intense in it. If, namely, we're going to ask, if you're, are you a member? If not, we're going to ask you to become one. And if you are presently a member, then we're going to ask you to affirm that membership in some ways you've not done before. And so be prepared for that. I want you to think seriously, what are we trying to, what, what shape do we want this church to be? What is God calling us to be? And then to be certain that as that shape develops, that we, to be certain that we are, are connected to Jesus, the preaching team is going to lead us through a, um, a, a, a series in, in the book of Matthew. If, if Jesus says, remain in me, then you've got to know a little bit more about Jesus, don't you, to remain in him? So beginning in mid-February after this devoted series, we're going to take 30 weeks to work our way through Matthew. Um, we'll start mid-February, take us all the way through to Labor Day. And uh, Matthew is a story about Jesus and his ministry. It's 28 chapters long. We're going to take 30 weeks to work our way through it. And I'm looking forward, frankly, to a long, slow walk through the book of Matthew with Jesus. And um, I'm ready for that. I think our church is ready for that, and I'm sure you are as well. So here's what it is. We're going to pray. We'll examine our relationship with each other and with Jesus, and then we'll see what he had to say about following him. And out of that, I'm quite convinced, we'll, uh, as I stand here a year from now, we're going to have new stories that will cause us to say, God, let us in 2017, we remained attached to the source of life, namely Jesus Christ. Because remember what he said. He said, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. 
And look what, the, look what the focal point of all that is. It's not just so that we'll remain in him. That's lovely. But the focal point is that this will be to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. We're going to remain connected to Jesus in 2017 very intentionally. And then as we do that, asking God for direction for the coming days, then the stories that come along will bring him glory. People will know we are Jesus' followers. I don't want to be known as the church that's got a lot of people who attend. I mean, that's nice. I don't want us to be known as the church that's got a lovely building. Well, that's nice too. I don't want to even be known as the church that builds a new, brand new auditorium. That'd be nice too. I want to be known as the church where they say, those people follow Jesus and they impact the, lives of the, story, the other lives of the people of this community. That's what we should be known about to the glory of God the Father. So, it's not all doom and gloom. Some of you go, man, Wayne, it's pretty heavy stuff. You're in a very bad way emotionally. No, I'm not. I'm not. I want to remind you where I said we're going to start high, we're going to take a little wander around, and then we'll start with some good news, okay? So, and we're going to finish with some good news, some bookends, if you will. So we started our chat together today with the video of the people who, were getting, who got baptized in 2016. That's lovely. And you heard the story of a life of love that's been part of the life of this church for 70 years. And there's more of that to come. There are more good, if not great, stories to... Um, Acknowledge. For example, if you're going to talk about older folk being married, and Bob and Effie, pardon me, but you are a little bit older than some people in the room, it's good news that we've got older folk in the life of the congregation, but we also have some folk that are totally unlike that. Some wee tiny folk who've never been married, namely babies. I want you to see a photo of all the babies that we dedicated in 2016. Isn't that great? Congratulations to those families. If that's, that's, I mean, that's a good, good thing, isn't it? 28 babies were born in the life of this church. We saw them dedicated. We saw their parents commit. Not just a case, God bless this baby, but we saw their parents commit to raising their children within the context of a relationship with Jesus Christ and in the story of the church. That story never gets old. And then as, I have something else to bring to you today that we didn't know was going on. It's actually a, it's 10 years old, and we only learned about it in the last few weeks. But it's a great thing that we say we want to touch people's lives and, 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 and we acknowledge that some of those lives are going to go elsewhere and you don't know where they're going to go, but we're going to do what God calls us to do and we'll see how it all plays out. Well, a couple of weeks before Christmas, a young man walked into the office and said, I used to be one of your kids in Club 305. You know, we've been working at Club 305 in Parsons for more than a decade now and you always wonder, how is that influencing those kids long term? And, you know, those original group of kids, now they're young adults. And he walked in, totally unannounced, totally non-prompted, say, I, I want to come and say thank you for what you've been doing, what you did in my life when I was a kid, and how that's played out for me now. This young man is on the football team at Purdue, studying to be a, law, a police officer, and he's engaged in ministry in an elementary school around the corner from campus in exactly the way we do Club 305. Does it get any better than that? That's great. And so, yeah, cool stuff. And so um, we were bright enough to say, hey, that's such a great story. The whole church needs to hear it. And uh, so we're going to roll a tape. We, we, we got a camera and said, can you repeat that whole thing? And particularly, <laughs> particularly the way he got in Club 305, he really didn't quite qualify. So he started not passing in homework so they could get in the mentoring program. Watch the video, okay? 
Watch the video. Here I'm a is. sophomore, a redshirt freshman for the football team. I'm on the football team. And um, I'm currently pursuing a major in law and society. So I want to be a police officer one day. Just seeing the kids get on the bus and go over there and then like they would come back and then say how much fun they had and all this stuff. I want to go. In order to get me, in order to get here, in order for them to allow me to come here, you had to be like struggling in your, um, in some of your classes. Cause that's what it was. It was like a tutoring thing. So I like started not turning in stuff. I started just, just so I could come. Cause they said like, you have to have a, like you have to. So then they finally was like, all right, you can come. And like, that was how I got here by not doing work so that I could get here. I just, I just remember it being a warmth and I felt, I felt comfortable here. So like, that's why I enjoyed it so much. And I couldn't wait to get here, so. That's, that's what I wanna do, I wanna work with kids. But like, I'm in school now, so I, I go to an elementary school right around the corner from Purdue, it's Happy Hollow, and I go and I eat lunch with kids and I'll go out and play with them, stuff like that. I worked with a kid one-on-one. Um, he has like a speech problem, so some of the other kids couldn't understand what he was saying. And at that age, you get bullied and all that stuff. So like, I was, I mean, I ate lunch with him. Give him someone to talk to. You wanna know what we've been doing for the last 10 years? We've been pouring into the lives of kids from across the street. And you never know how far that's gonna go, do you? The irony of all of this, or the Holy Spirit, the really God thing is last night after the service, had a couple come to, our, to me and they said, our daughter is a first year teacher in that Happy Hollow School over by Purdue. Isn't that cool? Full circle, full circle. Friends, Let's touch the lives for Jesus Christ. That's the story of our church. That's the focus of our church. That's, we want people to come to know Jesus Christ. And if we have to build new buildings to do it, great. If we don't get to build new buildings, great. Whatever the case may be. We will be the congregation that is used by God in this community. I'm absolutely convinced of that. And I want to thank you for joining me and the rest of this church in that endeavor throughout 2016. And we'll push on that same way in 2017. Let's pray together. God, for this great congregation and the way in which you use us, it's not through our strength, God, but it's through your grace within us. Lord, I pray for individuals who've heard this message and it's been about the church, but in some ways it's a reflection of individual lives where maybe something in a marriage or a relationship, a a career, a school situation where it needs to get pruned. God, as we remain in you, we give you permission to do that. It's a little scary, but we give you permission. Lord, may we walk with Jesus in a way that doesn't bring attention to us, but brings attention to what people say. Oh, that's, that's one of those Jesus disciples type of people. That's a follower of Jesus so that you would get glory, we pray in Christ's name.